We're at uh, this time of year that for the Christian, it's, it's really uh, the week of celebration. And there's so much that transpires within this week that we need to remember and we need to uh, look back to uh, because of the great significance of this week. Uh, there are many that call this the Passion Week. And it's a, it's a time that uh, Christians all over the world are turning their eyes upward, looking and celebrating, really, uh, our Lord, uh, who had come and, and set us free and, and done this incredible work at the cross. And we start out this Passion Week uh, this morning with Palm Sunday, uh, that day that Jesus came down into Jerusalem, that triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And it was the first time that he revealed himself as king, the king of the Jews. We are celebrating this time really with Christians all over the world in a time where there's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of anxiety that's going on in our world. There's a lot of worry that's going on, and here we are celebrating, really, that our Lord has come and that He has set us free. We know that almost 2,000 years ago, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews, the uh, One who is called Emmanuel, God with us, was birthed into this dark world. He was birthed into a world that was dark and and into a world that had no peace, a world that had no hope. And it was in God's perfect timing that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. We can read about a prophecy that was given actually 700 years before Christ. The prophet Isaiah, it's it's a scripture we quite often use at Christmas time, but it's out of the book of Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 6, one that many of us are familiar with. We read in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And it finishes with the Prince of Peace. I want to focus this morning on that, those last three words. The Prince of Peace has come. We read in the book of uh, Matthew, In chapter 2, it says in verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The prince of peace had come. Just as it was prophesied that it would happen, he came, he was born, 
the King of the Jews, the Prince of Peace, had come. But three and a half years later, the Prince of Peace was going to ride into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. We call it Palm Sunday. The people there were on that day, they, they had lined the pathway that led from the Mount of Olives down the hill and up the other side, up into the Temple Mount. The people lined the pathway. They began to lay down these palm branches and branches, paving away for their king as he rode on the back of this donkey into the city of Jerusalem. We read in Matthew chapter 21, verse 4, another quote from the prophet Zechariah, quoting from Zechariah 9.9, it says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey, prophesied again that this day would come. Jesus, his triumphal entry as king of the Jews, coming in to Jerusalem. We also read in Luke's gospel in chapter 19, verse 37, we read, As Jesus was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples we're told they began to rejoice and they began to praise God with loud voice for the mighty works they had seen, saying, and this is what they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And then listen what it says, peace in earth and glory in the highest. The king of peace had come. The king of peace had ridden there on that Palm Sunday into Jerusalem. But five days later, the King of Peace was going to be hung on a Roman cross. He was going to be crucified. In the eyes of his own people, the nation of Israel, he was going to be crucified. We read in Matthew 27, verse 37, as Jesus hung there on that cross, we're told that they hung a sign over his head with the accusation written against him, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Israel's hopes that day were dashed. The King, the Prince of Peace, was dead. Uh, can you imagine what that was? For just, just days earlier, they were lifting up loud voices that their King had come. And now their king was dead. The Prince of Peace was hanging on a cross, crucified by the Romans. We read in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 36. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself, he, he stood in their midst. This is three days later. And Jesus comes to his disciples he comes to them in that room and the first words out of the mouth of our Lord is, peace to you. And Jesus coming into the midst after three days in the grave and raising just like he said that he would. 
They were hidden in this place, in this room, in fear. Jesus comes into the midst of them and says, peace to you. And it makes me think even in the middle of this pandemic that we're in, how many people in the world that have no rest, how many of them are experiencing worry and anxiety, And you know what, I I see the answer to all of that is that wherever Jesus is, there's peace. If you got Jesus in your heart this morning, if you have Jesus in your heart and your mind this morning, there can be peace in your heart. Even in the midst of what this world is experiencing, there is peace when we're with Jesus. If you're in the storm, just like those disciples were in that boat that one day, and the storm arose, and Jesus said, peace, be still. Wherever Jesus is, there's peace. If you're in need of peace today, then you need Jesus. Forty days later, after Jesus had risen from the dead, the Prince of Peace would ascend back into heaven from the Mount of Olives. He was going to ascend into heaven and he was going to be seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Where is Jesus today? He's seated on his throne. He's never gotten off his throne, even though it it, it may seem like, where's God now? Where's Jesus now? He's on his throne and he's in complete control. But Jesus... 40 days after the resurrection, we're told that He ascended up from the Mount of Olives. And before He ascended, He gave these words to His disciples. One of them was the night of His arrest. In John chapter 14, verse 27, He said to His disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And then he says this, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You see, there's many of us that have been gripped with fear. We're seeing uh, that growing actually daily in our world right now. Fear gripping people. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid. He also, before he ascended up into heaven in John chapter 20, he said this to his disciples. He says, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And so he gave them the great commission before he departed this earth and departed back to heaven to his father, he gave that great commission. He says, peace to you. And those same words that came out of our Lord's mouth are the same words that we can receive ourselves, even this morning. Peace to you. Today, the Prince of Peace can reign in your heart. The Prince of Peace can reign in the heart of every individual that knows Him as Lord and Savior. And so if you're in need of peace, you need Jesus 
today. If you're listening in on this message and you don't know Jesus and you don't have peace, then you need Jesus today. He is the Prince of Peace. We also know that the Prince of Peace is coming soon. The God of Peace, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to be coming back. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, in chapter 16, verse 20, he says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. In Revelation 19, 16, at Jesus' second coming, we read this, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Our Lord is coming back. He's gonna, He's coming back to take us to be with Him. He's coming back in judgment at that second coming of Jesus Christ. But He's the God of peace. He's the one that wants to give peace to mankind today. We're living in a world, though, that is losing hope. We're living in a world that is uh, where peace is fleeting. And even this COVID-19 pandemic, it, I believe that it's humbling the world. And I believe that that's a good thing. And my prayer is that all of this might even lead to revival in our churches. And, re, and re, really revival around the world. That God could use this time of humbling this world. Many people that are in fear. Many people that... Their worries and anxieties are growing in the world right now. It's being spurred on by many of the headlines that we're reading. I just looked at some of the headlines just this morning as I was sitting there preparing for this morning. And one of the first headlines that I saw and read was, The virus toll climbs as Trump sees a lot of death ahead. I also read another headline. It says, U.S. enters crucial weeks of coronavirus fight. I read another headline. 155 sailors on Roosevelt tested positive. Another one that read, the UPS drivers are demanding hazardous pay. And then I read this, that on Tuesday at a coronavirus task force briefing, President Donald Trump warned America, we are about to go through a very painful few weeks. Dr. Deborah Burks detailed how 100,000 to 240,000 Americans are expected to die within a few weeks. That, I believe, is what's causing the fear and the anxiety, and the lines that we see, the empty shelves at the store, and people are just, they're trying to hang on. It's confirmed, or I read another one, it's confirmed cases now have exceeded 1.1 million people globally. And so, what do we do with this? As... The church. What do we do with the situation that we find ourselves as believers? With 
anxiety even in many of our own hearts. And as the days passes, as the days pass and the death toll climbs, I believe we're going to even see that in a greater way. What does the church do with all of this? What are we doing with it in our hearts even this morning? How do we grab hold of this peace, this Prince of Peace, in a time where there is little peace? I believe that we need to grab hold of Him. We need to grab hold of the promises that we find in God's Word. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, he said this in Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, church, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you know the God of hope, then you also, and even in no matter how bad things are, that you can have joy and you can have peace in believing. You can abound in hope, even in these days that we're living. In chapter 15, verse 33, Paul says, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. In chapter 16, verse 20, again Paul says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. I love that scripture. The God of peace is going to do that. To crush Satan under your feet shortly. Paul writing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 14.33, he says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. We see a lot of confusion, don't we? as we're watching the news, as we're seeing even all of these scientists and various people grappling, trying to find answers to this pandemic. And all the while, we have the God of peace that we can run to. He's not, a, he's not the author of confusion. He's one that has given us heads up. We know that we are living in a world that these things are going to come to pass We've read about that as we went through over the last four weeks out of Matthew 24. We read about the things that are going to have, the signs leading up to the second coming of Christ. And our God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace. If you're watching this live feed this morning and you're in fear, if you're in fear of what's coming upon this world, if you're seeing this pandemic escalating and it's causing anxiety upon yourself, then my prayer for you is that you would call out to the God of peace. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13.11, he says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace and the God of love and peace will, will, will be with you. I hope that each of us this morning sense that the God of peace is right with us. Paul writing to the church at Colossae, he said this. In Colossians 3.15, he said, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. He also wrote 
in his letter to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Thessalonians 3.16, he says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way, The Lord be with you all. The Word of God is full of encouragement and promises to those that know Christ that we can have peace no matter what. No matter what situation we find ourselves in in life. I actually looked up the word peace and found that it's 397 times in the Bible. We find the word worry nine times. We find the word anxious seven times in the Word of God. And I I think the overriding thing that God wants to do in each of us is He wants to give us His peace. Paul writing to the church at Philippi, he said this in chapter 4, verse 6. He says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. To be anxious for nothing. Paul is actually given not just an exhortation here, He's not giving a suggestion to us as as Christians. He's actually giving us a command here. It's a command, be be anxious for nothing. And that word nothing literally means not even one thing. And so what should the Christian stance be in a world now that is being taken by this pandemic? that we should be not worried, not anxious, not fretting over what's going on around us, that we should be wise but not fretting in fear, not even over this pandemic. Who holds you? Who is holding you in His hands? What promises are you holding on to this morning? We need to apply this truth to our life. And, and even in a, in a greater way today, we need to apply this Scripture to our life. This word anxious can also be translated care. The word here actually means to be anxious about something, to have distracting care. And how many of us are being completely run over and distracted by this pandemic? How many hours are people sitting in front of the TV just watching the news, watching the latest details come out about this pandemic? It's very distracting. It's causing a lot of anxiety amongst this world, the people of this world, but even those in the church. And it shouldn't be that way. That We are to call to be anxious for nothing. I wonder how many of us this morning are, are feeling that 
anxiety even right now. It's a word that we find in the Greek. It's a Greek word that actually means this. It's, it's, it means to be drawn in a different direction. It means to be distracted. And that's exactly what trials and tribulations quite often do. They distract us from keeping our eyes focused on the ones that our, that, that our eyes should be focused upon. Maybe a better way that Paul could have said this would be, stop doing this. Stop being anxious. But we all know, and I think we've all seen this personally in our own lives, and we've seen it personally when we've, we've tried to tell ourselves and we've tried to tell other people, stop worrying. Stop being anxious. And you know, we know when we've come to learn it doesn't work so easy that way, does it? Would you stop worrying? And as soon as you tell somebody to stop worrying, they actually probably worry more. Why? I'm not worrying. And they, they, they some quite often might even think, I'm not even worrying, but really they're full of anxiety. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we probably all have our concerns, our anxieties, our worries. But worry and anxiety is really a result of a bigger problem. When we deal with these uh, the worry and anxiety, it's really the bigger problem is that it starts in our minds. And then what it does is it comes out in our heart. It's revealed in our hearts that we are just a person that is full of anxiety. We need to call it for what it is. I I believe that it's sin. I believe it's because of our worry that we are really lacking faith in God and lacking faith in His promises. Worry is a state of mind. It's a troubled state of mind. It it, it results from just the potential of difficulties. And quite often we don't even know what those... but, But the potential of difficulties even brings worry and anxiety to our hearts. It comes from the old English word that means to strangle. And I, and I think that that's quite the description because worry, we have told and heard, that'll choke the very life out of you. That's what worry will do. But listen to what Paul went on to say in verse 8. He says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And then look what it says. The God of peace will be with you. King David, he wrote in Psalm 55, verse 22, He says, cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Isn't that a great verse? To cast your burden on the Lord. He's the one that shall sustain you. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7, 
He says, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. And the word that we read here in 1 Peter, this word casting that Peter is using, it's actually used here, and the only other time it's used in the New Testament, it's interesting because it's when the disciples brought that colt to Jesus on that Palm Sunday. And they, they threw... Uh, upon that, they, they threw these co- uh, uh, coats upon this colt. It says that they threw it, or they literally, they cast their coats on the colt, and then they put Jesus on it. Isn't that interesting? To cast our cares upon Him. To cast all of your worries and cares upon the Lord. To take all of your anxieties and to throw them so to speak, on Jesus, to let Him carry your cares, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. That's a promise that we need to hold on to. So what is the cure for worry? Let me read it again. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. That's one thing. With thanksgiving, that's another. Let your requests be known to God, that's another. And the peace of God, which surpasses or transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the cure for worry. I believe that a Christian, a person with a, a stable spiritual mind and a heart is key. Believers who are doing well spiritually, uh, I, I found in my own self and, and in others that they react differently to trials and anxieties of life. They do it differently because it's in their mind, it's in their heart. I had a young man that came to the church yesterday and he ended up wanting to mow the lawn here at the church. And he jumped out of his car and he took off his glove that he had and he reached it out to me and he says, I'm not worried about it. He says, God's in control. And he put his hand out to me to, to shake my hand and, and I shook his hand. And, 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 and even with that, you know, he had this peace of heart. And he just reached out, and, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be wise, but here's this young man just trusting God. God's in control. And he stuck out his hand to shake, a, shake my hand. Jesus said in Luke's Gospel in chapter 12, verse 29, he says, And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind, he says. For all of these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. An anxious mind. An anxious heart. You see, we need to uh, lift all of the, our anxieties up in prayer and supplication. We need to have thankful hearts before the Lord, even in the midst of our times of testing and trial. We need to let our requests known to God, and then we can receive 
the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. You see, a Christian who is doing well in mind and heart is one who has a growing faith. He's, a, he's one who is, is able to cast his cares and his worries upon the Lord. He knows that God cares for him. He knows what the Word of God says, and he applies it to his life. I wrote, for the Christian who is growing in faith, God's promises are not question marks in his mind, but an exclamation mark in his heart. You see, God wants to do something in our hearts. Even through this pandemic, God is doing something in his church. He's wanting us to be a witness. He's wanting us to go out into this world that have hearts and minds full of peace, that we can minister to those who are without peace. And God has a task for us. This is not a time for the church to shrink back. This is a time for the church to go out to this world that has no peace and bring the Prince of Peace to this world. A Christian who is doing well in his mind and heart is one who is thankful to God in all things. You see, the remedy for a lot of worry and fretting can be a thankful heart. Just thanking God for what you do have. Having a thankful heart will overcome much of the worry that we have. A Christian who is doing well in mind and heart is one who is also quick to pray. That he's quick to bring these petitions before the Lord. He lifts all of these things. He, he makes his requests known to God. Because he knows or she knows that, that his God or her God is able. My God is able. And so we take these things before the Lord. And then we finish in verse 7 with really, we might call the evidence. What is the evidence that you have truly cast your cares upon the Lord? It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you're experiencing God's peace in your heart, in your mind, then I would say that that's a good indicator that you're casting your cares upon Him. If you're full of anxiety and worry and fear, then we need to come to the God of peace afresh, even this morning. And we need to lift up our hearts before the Lord. We need to cast our cares down at His feet that we might receive all that God wants to give us even this morning. And so, I'm going to have Kyle come up and uh, close us in a, in a song. We have this Passion Week ahead of us. This is a time for us to, as a church, though we're not together face to face, this is a time for us to be able to reflect, to celebrate, to think about uh, this coming, next coming Sunday when we're going to, once again, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may the God of peace fill you this week with his perfect peace 
And may the Lord use you this week to bring peace and hope to those that you're around this week. And so let's worship our Lord.